Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Unifor picks its Detroit 3 bargaining target in Canada. Federal regulators question Tesla about its autopilot system. And we'll tell you why a judge denied Hyundai and Kia's $200 million settlement agreement. Plus, one of the world's largest auto suppliers has new carbon elimination targets. We'll hear from Magna International's head of global sustainability and energy. We're embedding this culture of sustainability and innovation. I think Magna has been around for over 65 years, and really entrepreneurial spirit and innovation is at the heart of who Magna is, and that's what we're leveraging. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Unifor, the union representing Canadian auto workers, has picked Ford as its bargaining target. The union's contracts with Ford, GM, and Stellantis are set to expire September 18th, just shy of three weeks from now. Over the weekend, members voted to authorize a strike if the union can't agree on a new collective bargaining agreement with the automakers. Union President Lana Payne had hinted previously that she was leaning toward Ford to lead this year's contract talks. She said Uniform made significant progress with Ford at the subcommittee and local bargaining table levels in a short amount of time. That reinforced her decision. In response to the news, a Ford executive said the company is committed to finding new approaches, solutions, and the flexibility required to be successful in Canada. Unifor is Canada's largest union in the private sector. Its membership includes 18,000 Canadian auto workers. They are seeking increased wages, improved pensions, and secure union jobs in the EV future. More information is coming out about the malfunction that shut down all Toyota plants in Japan earlier this week. Reuters reported that two people with knowledge of the situation said it happened during an update of the automaker's parts ordering system. The world's top-selling automaker has not given any details of what went wrong to cause the closure. Reuters estimated that the one-day outage in Japan could cost Toyota the equivalent of $356 million in revenue. Toyota resumed operations at its Japanese assembly plants today. Closer to home, federal regulators are honing in on the systems Tesla uses to ensure that drivers are paying attention while their vehicle is operating on autopilot. Documents released this week show the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is questioning Tesla about changes to the driver monitoring system for its autopilot software. The agency raised concerns about a change that allows drivers to use autopilot for extended periods without prompting the driver to apply torque to the steering wheel. NHTSA has identified more than a dozen crashes in which Tesla vehicles hit stationary emergency vehicles and is investigating the performance of autopilot. It is also investigating whether Tesla vehicles adequately ensure that drivers are paying attention when using the driver assistance system. A federal judge has denied Hyundai and Kia's $200 million settlement agreement with consumers who had their vehicles stolen. He ruled that the amount was not enough for some owners. The case followed rampant car thefts that targeted certain model years. The settlement had offered different awards based on the amount of financial loss. 
It included payouts to owners whose cars were never recovered or were totaled up to $6,125. People whose cars were damaged during attempted thefts were eligible for a lesser amount. But the judge ruled the amounts weren't satisfactory because vehicles built in 2011 would be worth less than those manufactured in 2022. Hyundai, Kia, and lawyers representing plaintiffs had reached the settlement agreement. The plaintiffs argued their vehicles are easy to steal because they lack engine immobilizers, a crucial anti-theft device. Videos published on social media last year showed how to easily hotwire the vehicles, sparking a nationwide crime spree. And finally, legislation promoted by Carvana to allow for home car delivery has been signed into law in Illinois. It's set to take effect January 1st, 2024. The legislation also allows licensed vehicle dealers to collect electronic signatures. Used vehicle retailer Carvana supported updating Illinois law because online sales and home delivery are critical to its business model. The company is not without controversy. Last year, Illinois suspended Carvana's dealer license over repeated titling and registration infractions. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Unifor has picked Ford as their bargaining target. Now, what are some of the reasons why unions like Unifor and the UAW pick a certain target? And do they ever go after the same one? And what's the method to the madness? <laughs> you know, the, the madness is all new this year. We haven't seen UAW and Unifor negotiate at the same time in at least the last two decades. Typically, when it's one union and the three companies, they try to set a pattern by going after the strongest automaker first. In this case, it, you know, it does look like while the UAW is talking about potentially striking all three companies, they really have Stellantis in the crosshairs. Stellantis is the automaker that uh, Sean Fain came out of. It's the one that was really the origin of a lot of the uh, bribery scandal and uh, within the UAW. And it's the one that's making the most money. So he's really honed in on them. So maybe Unifor's thinking is, Stellantis is going to be tied up with UAW, so let's go to Ford, which is reasonably healthy and uh, and has good labor relations. So uh, maybe they're just looking to get a good deal done with the company that's uh, that's not as as fully engaged with UAW at the moment. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, coming up, we'll hear about Magna International's brand new targets to cut carbon. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. My team and I went to each car company separately. We sat down and we said, you know, what can you do? What you cannot do? How much time you need? How much going to cost you? And that pay off big time. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they come around to that idea. Find out how and much more. 
I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available wherever you get your podcasts starting September 11th. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. North America's largest auto supplier says it's taking significant new steps to reduce its carbon footprint. This week, Magna International announced new net zero targets. They include a goal to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. And in the near term, Magna plans to switch to 100% renewable electricity use by the end of this decade. Ahmed Elganzuri is Magna's Global Director of Sustainability and Energy. I reached him in Toronto. Ahmed Elganzuri, welcome to Daily Drive. Hi, Jamie. Nice to be talking with you again. So Magna has new targets for uh, carbon reduction by 2050. How did those come about? How did you find those targets and why 2050? Yeah, great question. So what we've done is we're working with the SBTI, that's the Science-Based Targets Initiative framework for you know a well below 1.5 degree climate scenario. And um, so it's a 90% reduction in all of our emissions category scopes one, two, and three. So yeah, we're very excited to launch on that endeavor. And then on our way to do so, we've got some near-term commitments for 2030 as well. How do you go through the process of figuring out what you can do uh, and what's achievable? So what we're focusing on is kind of two elements. One is renewable electricity. Um, So we've got a goal of 100% renewable electricity by 2030. And then the other half of it is reduce how much energy we need at all. Um, so we've got a 20% energy intensity reduction uh, goal um, by 2027. So we're kind of taking a two-pronged approach. Reduce how much we need and what we do need. Let's move it over to renewable for electricity anyway. So what's the mechanism for doing that? Is it, Do you work with uh, local utilities to have them install more renewable Uh, energy production? Is that really the easiest way to do it? Yeah, it's kind of a really a mix and it really depends on the region and the geography. So in some instances, we do work with the local utilities where there's an option to procure renewable electricity. Other areas we're putting in on-site renewable, so solar panels on our own uh, manufacturing facilities. And then in other instances, we're looking at other external partners to help with putting in renewable electricity in that region. Are offsets a part of this at all? So with net zero, it's all about eliminating of carbon. So 90% uh, elimination. And then we will purchase carbon offsets for the remaining 10%. But for now, we're just focused on the elimination part. What kinds of things do you have to, I mean, Magnet International is such a huge company, you know, the, the largest auto supplier in North America, fourth largest in the world, the way, at least the way we counted at Automotive News, you know, 351 manufacturing facilities. 174,000 employees. How do you eliminate, you know, 90% of emissions (laughs) in such a large organization? Yeah. So I think it all goes to the culture. So we're embedding this culture of sustainability and innovation. I think Magna has been around for over 65 years and really entrepreneurial spirit and innovation is at the heart of who Magna is. And that's what we're leveraging. So we've got energy champions across all of our manufacturing division. So we're trying to empower them and give them the tools to reduce energy in their own divisions. Meanwhile, we're putting in together a kind of that global tool set to be able to make that happen. So looking at, you know, for example, in our paint operations are going to be consistent across Magna. What can we do in that regard? 
and then provide those best practices to the divisions for execution. So what else do we need to know about this? Are you going to lose any jobs because of it or able to maintain sort of the growth trajectory that you're on while reducing carbon emissions in this way? What's exciting is, over, you know, in between 2020 and 2022, uh, Magna sales actually increased by about 16%, and we still saw a reduction in emissions. Um, so that's the plan, to continue to kind of meet our customers' requirements and expectations uh, and deliver great quality and work with all of our people, um, but reducing our emissions at the same time. Help me understand the interim steps a little. I, you know, I see like you're going to 100% renewable energy use in European operations by 2025 and globally by 2030. So wouldn't your scope to improvement by 2030 be 100%? Yeah, so our uh, scope two will be, yeah, by 2030 will kind of be fully eliminated. There'll be a little bit of residual here and there, but yeah, for the most part. And then really our scope one, so the natural gas is what we're very focused on. Today, there's not really a true alternative to natural gas in, or, or for a al- renewable natural gas. So that's what we're looking at. And we're working with our partners, suppliers, and customers, and across Magna to take a look at how can we reduce the natural gas usage in our operations. So the 42.3%, that is combined scope one and two? That's correct, yeah. Okay, I get you. So talk to me a little about scope three aiming for a 25% reduction by 2030. How do you get there? Is that about supplying more electric vehicles or is it about other things in the post-manufacturing life cycle of the products? Yeah, it's all of the above. Scope three is kind of all-encompassing. We're going to be focusing on two big portions. One is our supply chain and then the use of our product. Um, So we're looking at our top commodities, the steel, aluminum, plastic resins, et cetera. Um, And then also looking at our complete vehicle assembly group and powertrain and looking at how can we advance and support, accelerate the electrification of mobility and into other low carbon uh, vehicles. Yeah, it feels like a lot of that is probably outside of your control, right? Like how assembled vehicles are transported, you know, to their retail destination and things like that, or, you know, even end of life uh, treatment, recycling and such. How do you try to influence how those emissions can be reduced? Yeah, I think what we do is we look at integrating more recycled content, for example, into our vehicle. So we put that demand into the loop for recycled materials and recycled components to support that ecosystem. And that's one thing that we have been doing for a number of years. We've got a number of components, for example, out of our exteriors group that use recycled um, plastic waste into uh, productive materials. So continuing that work and continuing the demand and and showing the interest um, in this area. Ahmed, is there anything else you want to tell me? Anything else that our audience needs to know about this transition within the company and how you're going to reach your new targets? We're very excited to work with all of our partners and internal and external stakeholders. I think really with sustainability and decarbonization, it's a whole, it's an industry effort, especially with how Scope 3 is calculated. So I think it's, it's really, it really breeds a lot of collaboration. So that's one thing we're very excited about. Ahmed El Gansuri, Global Director, Sustainability and Energy at Magna International. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can hear more about Magna's efforts to cut carbon on our upcoming podcast series, Driving to Zero. We traveled to the supplier's Plast Coat plant in Brampton, Ontario, to get a close-up look at its sustainable technologies and practices in action. 
and we spoke with El Ganzuri and others about how they plan to ramp up those efforts between now and 2050. You can search Driving to Zero right now wherever you get your podcasts and hit follow or subscribe to get the first episodes delivered to you when they drop on September 11th. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode included reporting from our own Carly Schaffner and C.J. Moore, as well as David Kennedy from our sibling publication, Automotive News Canada. You can get the latest news on new legislation, NHTSA investigations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about the future of hydrogen technology in the auto industry. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you have a colleague who might enjoy the show, tell them to give it a listen. Thanks. 